It is the duty of the free man to resist tyranny at every turn. Every man will either watch his freedom stripped away or take action to protect what he loves. Introducing the A3, the newest revolutionary body armor from Armored Republic. The A3 is the new standard for lightweight multi-hit body armor. A3 plates are incredibly light at 4.6 pounds. The patented design captures fragmentation while remaining multi-hit capable. The A3 will stop up to M80 ball, yet comes in at only 0.7 inches thick. The A3 is the thinnest NIJ.06 compliant or certified composite standalone plate that includes the drop test. The A3 is the first of its kind, patent pending, that combines an alloy strike face with polyethylene backing, revolutionizing body armor technology by providing strength and durability while remaining sleek and maneuverable. The A3 is the new standard in lightweight body armor. The fight against tyranny just got stronger. It's Friday! Welcome to Cosmopolitan on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. I just named the show. Yeah. When we're going to release it. Friday. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, I'm the Water Boy. And this is one of those shows, you know, I was speaking in uh, Idaho Falls um, last week. And at this group called Stand Up for Idaho. And during the pandemic, they would have three, four hundred people come to their weekly events. Three or four hundred a week. A week. Yeah. They do weekly events, which is a, a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I went, I, you know, maybe a hundred people there. And he, he just said people just lost interest. Like the pandemic is. Stand up. Well, you didn't have anything else to like, do Idaho. Either. And it's yeah. like, you know. It, it, we're good. Yeah, I, that's why I keep saying, bring on COVID two point man. But this is one of those shows, like, like yeah. we, we the, the past is a tutor for how we need to be handling the future. If you get the past, you don't, you don't, you yeah. lose the tutor. They'll that's do it right. again. Yeah, they'll do it again. This year, our Fight Laugh East conference is at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky on the politics of six day creation. The politics of six day creation is the difference between a fixed standard of justice and a careening standard of justice. The difference between the corrosive relativism that creates mobs and anarchy and tyranny and the freedom of objectivity, truth, and due process. The politics of six day creation establishes the authority and the sufficiency of God's word for all of life from what is a man what is a woman? When does human life begin? How is human society best organized? All that is found in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, Thanks. basically. So come here. Ken Ham, Pastor Doug Wilson, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Gordon Wilson, uh, Joe Rigney's going to be there. Michael Foster's going to be there. Uh, I'll give a talk. We'll do a live show, of What's course. It? What's it on? What's the live show? The live show is on Christian nationalism, of course, yeah. uh, with uh, our, our friends, uh, Stephen Wolf, yeah. uh, Joel Webin. We invited some others, and but a, they didn't want to show and up. Of course, and of course, Pastor we Wilson tried. will be joining us as well. Uh, so mark your calendars October 11th to the 14th as we fight, laugh, and feast with beer and psalms. The first night, our amazing lineup of speakers, rowdy Christian merch, come get yourself a new sweatshirt, and a Sabbath feast mm. to wrap up the occasion. Visit fightlaughfeast.com for more information and to register today. We're very grateful to have with us former Lieutenant Colonel Brad Miller, graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point in 2003. Served 19 years on active duty in the United States Army. During his military career, he served throughout the U.S. as well as in diverse locations such as Afghanistan, Honduras, and South Korea. 
He was relieved of battalion command for refusing to go along with the COVID-19 vaccine mandate and subsequently resigned from the Army. Brad, thank you for joining us on CrossPolitik. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate standing shoulder to shoulder with you guys, you know, in this fight. So uh, thanks so much for having me on. Man, man, I feel like I'm part of the military now. The way he just addressed me, like, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, you're welcome, uh, Brad. You're welcome. (laughs) You are welcome. Yes, yes, sir. (laughs) Brad, uh, uh, 19. I mean, you're like, you were almost at a 20 year mark, which is pretty significant in in the military. Um, What makes you resign? from your position just shy of your 20 year mark. Yeah, so for those who may not be aware, the reason that the the 20 year mark is so significant is because at 20 years of service, that's when you qualify for your retirement position. So, or I mean, your, your retirement pension. So it's, yeah. it is a big deal, right? Wow. So when the last day that I left the army, I left with 19 years, three months and 15 days of service. So oh. about eight and a half months shy of the 20 year mark. So to answer your question, clearly not a decision that I took lightly. I mean, I knew exactly what I was doing. And the reason that I did it was because I felt at that moment that I just could not continue to put on the uniform, not because I have anything against the army per se, not because I have anything against military service per se, but actually because I found myself in a situation where, and I know this is going to sound paradoxical, but in order for me to maintain my oath that I took to the constitution, I could not do that by remaining in the military. Mm. I was going to have to leave the military in order to actually maintain my oath. So again, not a decision that I took lightly. Um, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew exactly what I would be giving up, but I just felt like I'm not going to be able to put the uniform every day and look myself in the mirror and feel like I am actually doing what's right for the American people. You know, my relationship to God. So it is what it is. Sometimes in this life, we have to make sacrifices for what we feel is right. And the decision that I made was to uh, walk away. Well, so uh, press that into the corner I and mean, explain. So what is it about that oath? And what is it about putting yeah. on that, yeah, on that, that thank you. uniform? Connect those dots for us. Yeah. Okay. So in the military, your number one responsibility is, particularly as an officer, right? And, and where you will have subordinates under you. And I was a battalion commander. So and, and in the army, being a commander is a is a significant amount of responsibility. I mean, the military is run by commanders. Okay. When you're a commander, you're responsible for everything your unit does or fails to do. You're the commander in the good times. You're the commander in the bad times. You're the face of the unit when things go well. You're the face of the unit when things go poorly. And I took that responsibility very seriously. So for me, the oath that I took to the Constitution means that I believe in the principles upon which the Republic was founded. I also believe that first and foremost, the military exists to safeguard the liberties of the American people. And so once I felt like the military had departed from its, uh, you know, from its own charter, from the, the very reason for its existence, I decided that, you know, I'm going to have to leave this organization again, not because I have problems with the organization itself, but because I feel like the, uh, the military has almost become, you know, a captured institution, if you will. So, you know, the institution itself is made up of people. But the people running the institution right now are people that I do not feel comfortable, um, you know, remaining under their 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 command. So I decided I was going to have to uh, leave. Now, of course, this happened in the wake of me losing my command. So I was relieved of command for refusing to go along with the uh, the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. And then a couple of months later, once I realized, you know, the military was not going to come to its senses, that's when I resigned. So. 
what were those conversations like um, that you were you were having with your I don't know your upper command and with your your troops? Uh, you know what was uh, and I, I guess kind of follow up question there too. Why not fight through your twenty year retirement either? But let's let's start with the first part of that. Okay, sure. So, um, what kind of conversations did I have with my immediate superiors? Um, so my immediate superior, I was a battalion commander. That that means that my direct boss is the brigade commander. I was a lieutenant colonel. He was a full colonel. Um, you got a couple of battalions that are in a brigade. And then my boss above him would have been the division commander. So I was a battalion commander in the 101st Airborne Division. Um, so that means that my boss two levels up was the division commander. So the commander of the entire 101st Airborne Division. So, you know, very historic unit with uh just you know an incredible legacy but um when i would have conversations with these two immediate superiors i mean they were cordial conversations but we found ourselves as uh you know gentlemen officers that were on opposite sides of of an issue to 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 set the timeline because this might make the the um this might paint a clearer picture of exactly what happened so i took command of my battalion in june of 2021 the uh, covid-19 vaccine mandate was implemented Two months later in oh, August wow. of 2021. Yeah. And uh, I was relieved in October of 2021. So I was only in command for about four and a half months of what should have been a two-year position. So, of course, I, I was very upfront with my superiors. I told them before, just before the vaccine mandate was implemented, I told them as soon as I took command, I know the writing is on the wall. I know this thing will become mandatory. I'm not going to go along with it because I personally am not going to take it. But I also don't want to be part of, uh, you know, commanding my subordinates, those who who don't want to take it. I don't I don't want to tell them to take it against their will. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, both of those things there. Now, to, the, to answer the other part of your question, um, here's why I took the route to resign, because another question kind of wrapped up in this is, did I submit a religious exemption request like a lot of people did? Now, they were almost all denied. But a lot of people went that route. I did not. And the reason I did not is not because I did not have religious objections to the mandate. I did and do. But for me, and this is just my my own personal stance on this, I felt that by submitting for a religious exemption request, first of all, I would be requesting an exemption for myself. But by virtue of my position in command, even if my exemption requests were approved, I would still find myself having to order all my subordinates to take it potentially (laughs) against their will. I didn't want to do that. Right. That's assuming that mine would have even been approved, which it likely would not have. But, but the other reason is in my mind, if I submit this religious exemption request, it's almost as if my object, my religious objection is to, you know, the, uh, the production or the research or the development that went into the creation of the injections. You know, a lot of people talk about the fetal cell lines. So I do have a problem with that. Don't get me wrong. But my problems don't begin and end there. I I thought this whole thing was sinister from the beginning. I I was not willing to concede these shots are necessary, that they're safe, that they're effective. So for me, it wasn't just a question about how they might have been produced. It was a question as to how we even got here for the creation of these shots in the first place and kind of the narrative that we had been sold from the beginning. So I wasn't going to concede any of those points. So I was a hard refusal and then 
you know, it ends with me uh, with me resigning. That's kind of how we got to that point. What a, what about Gabe's? I think the one of the follow up question was why not f- try to fight through to your twenty year retirement? Yeah, I thought about it, and and potentially I could have even stalled for a couple of months to be able to do that. The easiest way for me to have done that would have been to submit a religious exemption request, which I wasn't going to do. Um, but still, I could have potentially stalled. But the army, at least, what they said was. They they were going to they had put out a hard line. So in January of 2022, there was a directive from the headquarters of the army that came out and said, by July 1st, 2022, we will have a fully vaccinated army, except for maybe a couple of uh, exemptions that might be honored here. There very, very few. Right. Um, And so if you're not vaccinated by one July 2022, then you will be processed out of the army. So I'd kind of been backed into the corner. And so when I made the decision to resign, one was because for everything I just explained, I thought it was the morally stronger position. Right. But the other thing was a more practical reason. So it wasn't entirely just moral. There was a practical reason, too. If I got to July 1st, um, which would still leave me about 10 months from the 20 year mark, and they were to separate me, the word on the street was they were separating everyone with a... Um, a general discharge as opposed to an honorable discharge. But if I were to resign, I would retain the honorable discharge. So There's kind of two reasons, one a practical reason and yeah. one just the uh, what I figured to be the, the morally stronger position. Because that's so. So just so you know, there are a lot of people who got kicked out over this. Right. And they did leave with general discharges. So what that means is um, there can be later employment implications there because if you go to a future employer and your employer asks you for your discharge paperwork from the military and you produce discharge paperwork that mentions the characterization of your discharge as being general and then mentions a word like misconduct, which was, was the word that they were using, wow. your employer has no idea wow. what that what does misconduct yeah, mean? Right. Does misconduct mean that you, you know, you got caught for drunk driving, that you had some sort of, you know, improper yeah. relationship with a subordinate? I mean, I, I mean that can mean anything. Yeah. Not not a disagreement over a medical decision about what to do with your body. Yeah, but right. so those, you know, words have meanings. And when you use a a um a word that has a lot of weight behind it, such as misconduct, yep. and you put that on someone's discharge paperwork, that's um, that's going to come with future employment implications. And there are individuals right now that are in that situation because they were forced out by the military. Brad, I, I can't help, but like, um, it's it seems to me that there had been things going on in the military before now for this to happen. In other words, where all of a sudden a little pressure from the higher ups or a little pressure from COVID or a little pressure from the politics of the situation cause um, men who are strong and, you know, fought for our country and trained and went through boot camp, something I'll never do, you know, went through uh, and were strong men, but all of a sudden kind of buckle under this um, mandate mandate and kind of cultural political situation. What like what was going on in the military before now for this to happen? Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I mean, I you know if we rewind the clock three and a half years, I mean it, it's just incredible what has happened over the last couple of years, especially in the military. So two things I would say specifically, right? So number one, if the the military 
has always been a highly respected institution with the American public. That has changed over the last couple of years. That has changed. But the military, above and beyond just the very specific duty to uh, protect the republic, defend the republic, but also uphold the Constitution, the military has also been highly respected for safeguarding these virtues such as um, courage, integrity, honor. But when we talk specifically about courage, I think one of the things that we're seeing is physical courage and moral courage are not exactly the same. Now, they're certainly related. And sometimes you can have both in the same individual. And sometimes you can have an individual that um, engages in an act that that is both morally and physically courageous, but not always. Right. Um, And so I think what we've seen lately is. And this hits home because I, I have I have peers, I have very good friends who I consider to be very, very good people that with this issue, they are on they're on the wrong side. And I'll tell you, me, 19 years, lieutenant colonel, battalion commander, I had a pretty good career you know, maybe even well above average, but I would never, I would never say that I was a perfect officer. I would never say I did everything correctly. But when I look at this issue, I tell you, maybe I lost my command and maybe I lost my retirement. Maybe even I lost whatever would have remained of my career had I continued to go on. Maybe I would have been promoted to colonel. I mean, who knows, right? Right. But at least I do not have to look myself in the mirror and and feel uncomfortable with the person kind of staring back at me. And I do feel like right now there is a phenomenon across the military known as moral injury. So moral injury occurs. First of all, we've all felt moral injury with ourselves when we do something that is against our own moral code. I mean, we've all been there. We've done something we're not proud of. We feel guilt. We feel shame, et cetera. So now imagine just extrapolating that, that feeling that we all feel sometimes personally extrapolating that across the force where people feel, Mm. I would say, uncomfortable with themselves, but they're also uncomfortable with their immediate superiors and they're uncomfortable with the senior Pentagon officials right now. And I will tell you that right there represents a strategic threat to the United States because we have an ineffective fighting force. We have an ineffective fighting force when we have soldiers who are uncomfortable at what they, because here's what I would say. You have individuals out there who are both victims of moral injury and they're perpetrators of moral injury at the same time. How does that happen? You have an individual who was uncomfortable with what they were forced to do, but then they also passed on those orders to individuals. And now we have individuals that are starting to come up with injuries. We have individuals who are disgusted with what they were a part of. They've seen injuries that have occurred with people that they ordered to take these injections. People are leaving the military in droves. Um, the military service has has often been generational. It's been like a family tradition. Right. You know, you serve because your parents, your grandparents. Well, now veterans or retiring service members are telling their their military age children, do not enlist, wow. do not join, do not go to the service academies. They're no longer recommending service. And that is that represents that represents a huge rift in what military service has meant to this nation for generations. That was, that's part of the question that yeah, I had yeah, sort of lined yeah. up. Was, you know, and you know, you have, I didn't even think about the moral side of this. I was just thinking about the physical side. So you got physical injury, right? right. Now you have moral injury. Right. And yeah. now you have trust issues running all right. the way through because the guy that I'm looking at is supposed to protect me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can trust him anymore. Right. And, that, and that affects your courage. That, that and affects, there's, there's that no. Affects your, your prowess. It affects your. 
your yeah. willingness to go risk your life. I, right? I know you, you got to yeah. add you want to read. I got a question I want to ask you, Brad, after Toby, Pastor Toby gets okay. done reading this uh, question. Okay. Reading Sum, ads, summer's right? been great here at Cross Politic. We want you to join us. Besides Vimeo kicking us off. This no, it's been great. <laughs> hey, I, was, I was just going to get to that. Okay. First, all right. All right. first, we're no longer calling it the Fight, Laugh, Feast Club. It's now called the Fight, Laugh, Feast Pub or just the pub. Second, we're launching a new line of content focused on family entertainment. We will have our new show, This America, and our exciting new Rowdy Christian Guides, highlighting the practical guides to fun and godly life. Like we're doing like pipe smoking and smoking brisket. Doing and, food, yeah, um, smoke, yeah. Uh, a little bit of All kinds of stuff. Okay, additionally, we will have the live streaming of our conferences in the pub and all our past conference talks, um, all bundled within our new polished Fight, Laugh, Feast app, which is due to drop make pretty much any day. I mean, as soon as the... Uh, well, the App Store yeah. Gods. The App Store Gods, but now we have about 300 videos that have been deleted out of the app because of Vimeo, so we're having to do a bunch we're, of... We're uploading them, re-uploading yeah, them. Yeah, re-uploading. Our, so that might flag a problem in the in the drop of the app. Oh, so we, right. we haven't heard back from so iTunes or Google. Pray that. against the Vimeo and App Store <laughs> yeah. um, uh, demons. We're working on it. And and um, yeah, ask God to bless that. But anyways, uh, sign up today if you're not already a member of the pub. Um Head over to FightLaughFeast.com. Join the pub. That's FightLaughFeast.com. And join the fight uh, for free speech and against censorship and for the truth. So, Brad, is it is this a, a global issue with the military of, of every nation or is it just America? Because it seems like everybody had to go through COVID. COVID wasn't just something that America went through. Everywhere shut down. Everybody's military was forcing vaccines. Everybody was going through this. So this is not just a America issue, right? I, I agree with you. It, it is not. So, huh? So here's here's what we're seeing, and this is um, kind of you know my view on where we're going. When we see what happened, so here's what I think: the the number one lesson we have to take from the last couple of years, the last three three and a half years, is that. The world may not quite work the way that we all have kind of been told for a long time. And, and I just think, you know, I believe in God. I know you guys are very strong believers. Unfortunately, you know, evil also exists. And there's some evil people who I think are trying to, um, for lack of a better term, you know, propagate evil and, and enslave humanity. And unfortunately, I What's think new? that, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so, you know, what we see happening with the United States is, Unfortunately, the United States is just not the republic that it that it once was. Mm. But when you want to look, so let's look, for example, at some of our closest allies. Look at what's going on in uh, in Canada. Look at what's going on in Australia, for example, or in the UK. I mean, their militaries are going through similar issues as ours, but also just with the lockdowns and with some of the uh, the draconian measures that were put into place during COVID over the last couple of years, New Zealand as well. I mean, they were just as bad or in some cases worse than the right. United States. Right. Now, if we look at other countries, some of the ones that we consider, you know, our 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 rivals or our strategic adversaries like uh like Russia and China, well, I mean, we 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 kind of saw their part in the whole this whole COVID thing too. And now we see what's going on in Ukraine and there's already talk about what's going on in Taiwan. And I just think that we got to be really careful because um I think we just have to be very careful about what we're told. We have to be very careful about what we accept from our from our government. We got to continue to pray, pray for our leaders, even if they don't necessarily deserve it. And just at the same time, just keep ourselves uh, 
you know, spiritually sharp and also, you know, mentally and physically sharp as well. You know, um, Brad, one of the kind of our themes has been about this whole COVID 2020 thing is that we don't want uh, our people to forget what happened because if you forget what happened, then you don't have um, a way of, you know, history repeats itself. Uh, You're not ready for the next round. You're not ready for the next fight, the next battle and so forth. Um, It seems like people are starting to not care that much. I'm sure people in the military are starting to feel like, okay, we're all, everything's the pressure's off. We're fine. Now we can move forward. You know, what, what's your thoughts on that? And and how should we be thinking about what happened in 2020 and kind of the future fight for American freedoms? Yeah. So I think one of the most, um, one of the most dangerous traps that we can fall into just as, you know, human beings is apathy. And a lot of times Mm. just the daily world, just the grind of daily life. Sometimes it can be easy to forget some of these things that have happened. And I think we have to work hard against that. We you're, you're right. You're exactly right. We have to remind people exactly what happened, exactly how they stole our freedoms from us. And we got to make sure that we're prepared and we got to do everything possible to try and ensure that this doesn't happen again. And I'll tell you, the uh, the mechanisms that were in place to allow something like COVID to happen and then just the propagation of the narrative that went with it, um, those mechanisms were not put into place overnight. So it's almost like we have to peel back the yeah. onion and realize yeah. what happened over a period of years and or decades for us even to get to the point that a, that a COVID was even possible. Mm. But you're right. Now, we, we kind of look back. You know, we do our forensic analysis of what has happened the last couple of years, and then we gotta we gotta realize, all right, well, where do we go going forward? How do we ensure that this never happens again? How do we ensure collectively, like our communities, our nation, how do we ensure this never happens again? But then at a more personal level, with us as individuals or our families or our direct personal friends, how do we ensure that we protect ourselves, that we protect those around us? Brad, do you think that one of the significant missteps, and you talk about you know peeling back the onion. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe there's things you'd point to even further back, but I'm thinking to myself, it seems like um, welcoming women into combat yeah. has been one of the most uh, shameful things that we've done as a nation. Um, is that one of the key places where we 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 were already set up for this? So here's what I would say about that. So these things always happen in stages right now. So let's say, for example, somebody you know wants to quibble with you about that decision. But what I would tell you about that decision is that decision was never about women in combat. That decision was to get us to where we are now right. with the, the full-blown acceptance of transitioning transgenders in the military because right. you never could have gotten there without preparatory steps along the way. Right. So, yes, I think you're 100% right. But right now, the military is talking about not just, you know, um, receiving transgenders into the military, but, of course, paying for their transitional surgeries. But then also a lot of those individuals can never even deploy so they can never even carry out the functions for which we have a military because they're on so much medications or the surgeries, et cetera, et cetera. Insane. It's, it's That's insane. freaking insanity. Yeah, absolutely. So, Brett, help but me. But these things always happen incrementally. So yeah. you have to have. 
these incremental decisions along the way to get to like something that just seems absolutely ludicrous where we are now. Well, well they're also that, talking about funding abortions for states yeah, where the military. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm sort of pointing back there. I mean, I'm, I don't know if there's something else behind even, I'm sure there was something before that, but it's at least, at least in my mind, one of the things where it's like a lot of conservatives, we're seeing this even in like the Republican party who it's, you know, is you know, whatever pseudo conservative, but like, you know, where they're like, well, we got to accept homosexuality. Now we're just against grooming kids or, you know, something like that where they, where they, we, we have this bad habit of wanting to just turn the clock back 15 minutes rather than recognizing exactly your point, which is that no, no, like you don't understand. Like we got on this slide uh, a decade ago, we got on this slide two decades ago. You can't go back up a quarter of the slide and not expect to just slide back down again. Right. So, but I'm wondering if there's things, you know, if, if that's, you know, if it's women in combat or if there's something before that, even that where we say atheist chaplains, uh, yeah, whatever, what? you know, Muslim chaplains, <laughs> atheistic chaplains, dry water. What is that? <laughs> so, so, so I, I think, um, you know, there's a, yeah, there's a term for this. I mean, this this gradualism, you know, is a is a technique of Fabian socialism where you know the people are never going to go from A to Z. So you slowly and very incrementally right. you put in graduated steps for people to get to where you want them to go right now. And now we just live in this postmodern world where uh, I mean, we're we're almost it's almost as if we're fighting against the very fabric of reality, not to mention the um the ordained and implemented order of God that now we just, we, we find ourselves just almost trying to, you know, fight against. That's right. Nah, incrementalism uh, doesn't uh, work. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know, I know we're almost out of time, but, um, you're going to take my last question. Go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I actually have, I have two, I got, I got a couple more. Two more questions. <laughs> yeah. but okay. I know we're out of time. Brad, um, it, are we, are you seeing any progress in this fight? Like I know, I, I don't know how much you're still involved. I know we've talked to other, um, folks in the military, outside of the military, you know, along this vaccine mandate stuff. Um, I know that, I mean, you know, it seems like public sentiment has broadly kind of started shifting to like, you know, mm. I mean, you know, the comedians at least are joking about, you know, how the jabs don't work anymore. And, and it is that the mandates, some of the mandates have been dropped. Most of the mandates have been dropped. I think, um, are you seeing any progress in that fight? Um, and, um, where at least on the COVID insanity that that's being reversed or that any of the damage done is being put back. I know, I know the physical damage is hard to put back in the box, but I'm wondering about people losing jobs like you and other people who were discharged for it. So uh, a couple of months ago with the, um, you know, the NDAA Congress kind of put the screws to DOD and made them repeal the, the mandate, right? That was a victory, but it was kind of a small victory. Here's what has not happened they have not necessarily started to go back and invite those that they kicked out to come back in on any sort of a massive scale. Um, what they did was those were, that were still in some sort of adjudication process to be separated. They stopped that, but that those who had already been kicked out, I think some of them maybe have been invited back, but, uh, but by no means, you know, by no means all, and by no means even most, then there are individuals like me who weren't kicked out, but left technically of our own will and accord they certainly have not invited us back. So I do think a lot of the damage has not been repaired. I don't even know necessarily how they will repair it. I do think people are waking up. There are plenty of reasons to be hopeful and optimistic. But I think when you're hopeful and optimistic, you are hopeful and optimistic while also acknowledging the full extent of what has been done. Otherwise, you're just naive. Yeah. So I think we have to be 
fully cognizant of exactly what has happened, and then be hopeful and optimistic that we can move forward from here. And we're doing so, but very slowly. I do wish we'd kind of, you know, kick it in and, and move faster. Uh, Did you get them all out? Well, I have another one, but I was going to let you have uh, one if you want one. Uh, well, mine's more of a wrap up one. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, all right. All right. My, my, uh, Brad, what, what do you tell, what do you tell young men? Who are yeah. who come and say I'm thinking about um, joining the military? I'm thinking about going into the army Ooh, or whatever. Um, wh- mm-hmm. What would you, what would you tell someone who's thinking about going into one of the services? Yeah, tough question. So we'd we'd have to have a conversation. What I would ask them is, what is it about the military that makes you want to join? Because here's the thing. I mean, I joined the military, right? So of course I completely understand where a young man is coming from because the military for so long was that. Um, almost like that masculine rite of passage. I mean, of course, you know, serve your country, but there's also kind of this, this, um, this desire to want to test yourself, you know, men and especially young men want that. And I would also say need that. So I would have a conversation with that individual and maybe we talk about some other methods in which they might be able to, uh, to still meet that goal. And maybe also talk about other, other ways in which you can actually serve your country to a greater degree which doesn't involve enlisting in the military. And here's why joining the military might be, here's some things you might not have thought about, et cetera. However, if someone was dead set on joining the military, I would say, okay, go, go with my blessing. I, I understand what you're trying to do, but just, you know, understand what that may mean and what you may not be thinking about. So I don't know if that exactly answers your question, but, um, I would just want that person to make a fully informed decision right. and and really think it through before they decided to do that, I guess. Mm. In the military, I mean, this is several other vocations are increasingly this way, but I mean, my general thing, I think a lot of my uh, advice and counsel as a pastor uh, to, to young men that come talk to me about sometimes about this is, uh, you know, similar warnings, sim- similar, you know, cautions. Um, and then if somebody is really set on it, um, I, I say something along the lines of, okay, you know, go for it. Um, but you need to be basically willing to, um, uh, lose your career yeah. at any moment. Like no, no, That's a, yeah. no, yeah. know where your line is. Like you need yeah. to know where your line is. And if somebody orders you to cross the line, be willing to lose your career over it. That's perfect advice. Yeah. I concur with that wholeheartedly. So Brad, you know, you're, you're, you retire, you quit, right? So um, resigned. Resigned. I'm sorry. Come on. Uh, Come yeah. on, man. Re- re- resigned. Retired. You quit. decided you not mean? to be there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yes. threw you out. Um, what are you doing now, though? Are you just going around talking about this, or do you have some sort of strategy? Uh, or, yeah. Right. What What is your What is your goal at the end of the day? Yeah. Okay. Great. So, uh, so I do. I do work in a lot of circles with other individuals who are who are doing a lot of this. So a lot of this is speaking out. I also write fairly extensively and I've been doing that the last couple of months. So I have a sub stack that I started a couple of months ago. It's under my name and then 10. So just Brad Miller, one zero dot substack.com. I write quite a bit on that. And a lot of what I do is just try and get individuals to realize exactly what has happened and where we're going from here and why this is so dangerous and what we need to do moving forward. Uh, I've also started to do some work with a um, with a science research organization that has as a part of it an online learning community called uh, IPAC EDU. So IPAC stands for the Institute of Pure and Applied Knowledge and then just EDU for education. So IPAC-EDU.org. And uh, there are all types of courses on there. And I myself am getting ready to teach a course on there 
in which we go through and we read dystopian texts such as 1984, Brave New World, Fahrenheit 451, et cetera. Yeah. And we use them as an interpretive lens to try and comprehend uh, our world. So that's, wow. I'm, I'm wow. very much still engaged in the fight right now. So wow. I will tell you, here's kind of how I would wrap up the answer to your question very succinctly. Another reason why I stepped out of uniform is because I think I can do more in the fight for freedom out of uniform than I could in uniform and i'm and i'm still very much dedicated to doing that mm, i surely hope so thank well, you very much sir appreciate you thank yeah, you for coming you. on cross politic hey thank you hey this is great i really appreciate it all right if you're single get married if you're married have you some kids and if you have kids go baptize them until next time love god with all your heart soul mind and strength love your neighbor as yourself go fight laugh and feast this is cross politic my name is Jamie Piles. I joined Samaritan in December of 1996. We were homeschooling our kids and we were already thinking outside the world's box, if you will. And I saw a little tiny classified ad about this new kind of idea I'd never heard of before. My first reaction was, that's the kind of thing that we would do, isn't it? And so I finally called the number, talked to them, and the more I asked them questions, the more I liked their answers.